Welcome to the Proclaim Podcast, where we sit down with missionary disciples and talk all things around sharing Jesus with others. Welcome to our Proclaim episode today. I'm so excited to have this conversation with Nathan and Megan Rumer. And they are here with their beautiful little daughter, Olivia, who is uh, sitting on Nathan's lap right now. And we might get to hear from another special guest this afternoon. Who knows? But uh, Olivia, you're welcome to chime in if you want to. But uh, we're going to have a, a, a fun conversation today. So welcome and thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, thank you, me. Eric. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So before we get into some of our conversation, I'd love for our Proclaim listeners to get to know you. So could you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah, sure. So I'm going to start. Um, uh, so my name is Megan. Um, I am a cradle Catholic. I grew up uh, going to church. Um, I never really um, had a period of time where I stopped going to church, but it was definitely, um, you know, out of obedience, out of habit. Um, and it was only really uh, when I was a young adult that my faith kind of um, became my own. And I started getting involved in, um, in the archdiocese through, through youth ministry. And that actually led me to um, eventually working here. So I've, I've been working for the archdiocese for about 10 years now. And um, yeah, that's actually where I met Nathan. <laughs> so I'll let him kind of tell about himself first. Uh, yeah, I, um, I didn't grow up Catholic. Uh, but did have a bit of a faith background. Uh, my family went to a Lutheran church, and that was the um, formative years. Uh, we we attended a Lutheran church in Kelowna. Uh, like a good number of people, I stopped going to church in my late teens and continued that into my early 20s. And in my mid to late 20s, um, I discovered the Catholic church and um, was drawn to it. And after a f- few rounds of RCAA, um, I finally was received into the church in 2011. Wow. I love both of your stories. And I think for Proclaim, your stories are of of monumental interest because most of us uh, have friends, family, daughters, sons, uh, people that are close to us that uh, can resonate with your stories. So before we get into some of the additional questions that are, you know, really about the topic at hand, uh, what was it about uh, your young adult years that really turned the page for you that, you know, allowed for your faith to come alive? Like, you know, can you point to a particular event or was it some friends, family, some insights? Like what really was the the turning point for, for you? Yeah, so for me, I went through um, uh, a really bad breakup, actually. And that just led me to sort of question... Um, kind of where where God was working through that. Um, I don't know that I had necessarily ever asked that question before, but, um, you know, it, I was just really distraught during that time. And I think I the only thing I could think to do was was to pray and to just really um, ask God for, for help and figuring out, you know, this was not, you know, I thought that this was the guy that I was going to spend the rest of my life with, you know, even as a 19, 20-year-old. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just... Um, kind of reached out to God in, in, in that time of despair. And, um, I think he just kind of led me into, um, drawing closer and closer to him. I think, um, 
at that time, I actually drew more closely to the church itself. Um, like I said, I had never really stopped going to church, but I just found myself um, just really feeling drawn to serve in parish ministry. You know, I was, I became a prep teacher at the time. I was um, getting involved in youth ministry. Um, so I think I was just really growing in my relationship with the church. Um, I think my relationship with, with Jesus came actually a little bit later. Um, and it was actually after I'd already met Nathan, um, and uh, he, or, or yeah, we he had just moved into the Marpole area, and um, we I, I we remembered that there was a parish there, Saint Anthony of Padua, and that was actually the parish that my family went to growing up. That was where I was baptized. I had my first communion there, um, and and then we just moved to a different area, so we started going to a different parish, but. Um, yeah, when we when we moved when he moved into that area, we started going to um, uh, to mass there, and it was actually very providential because that same year that um, we started going to mass there was the same year that the impact team from CCO was there, and um, I'm starting to maybe eat into Nathan's story a little bit. So, um, but uh, yeah, uh, so impact came to St. Anthony's that summer. Um, and uh, they they brought the faith studies. Obviously, that's you know that was sort of their main um, area of service in the parish. And um, yeah, we kind of took up the challenge to to do the faith studies. And I think it was really only through, even though I was already working for the archdiocese at the time, you know, I was actively serving um, in in ministry. But I think really that challenge of going through discovery and really. Um, facing what was my relationship with Jesus like, I think was, was truly impactful for me at that time. Okay. And Nathan, what about you? Um, yeah. So young adult. Um, yeah, I guess before 30 is still a young adult, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I said, uh, I, I did like most people. Um, I, I never really had a problem with the, with the Christian story or, really doubting that it was true or not. I think I just kind of saw in society that we work best under it. So it just seemed natural that it it, it existed. But it, there was always something missing uh, with the church. And uh, we had some family uh, issues. Um, my parents uh, broke up. Um, all of us really start stopped uh, going to church um, all at the same time. Not necessarily like any of us really rejected it. It was just, you know, life got hard, and uh, we didn't really find a lot of uh, a lot of community in 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 the church that we were attending in in Kelowna, and then later coming down here. I moved down here from Kelowna, and never was not a priority to find a church. <laughs> so right. uh, I kind of stumbled around for a while and uh, yeah, had some ups and downs. And uh, during one of my down times in my, in my twenties uh, was sort of, you know, kind of wondering, is there more to this? You know, is there it, it, like, what, what's it's life is hard. Like what, 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 how, what do I lean on? And I was uh, introduced to the Catholic Church, uh, specifically St. Teresa's in, uh, in, in uh, Burnaby, and uh, the pastor there, a very, very good man, uh, he, he kind of made the first uh, step for me to put the pieces of the puzzle together, and I kind of realized what I was missing 
was the Catholic Church. And uh, I think one of the things I always had uh, deals with in kind of in and out of the, the Protestant faith was the lack of unity, the lack of, uh, I guess, confidence. The Catholic Church is very bold. It says, we are the Church. And right. As a good Protestant, I would intellectually challenge this priest who kicked my butt in, <laughs> in, in answering it, which was great. It was just, and, and also his temperament. He was, uh, he, he was more of an old school type kind of guy and was like, okay, this guy's going to be a little twerp here. I'm going to give it right back to him. And it right. was, it was, it was a great dialogue and, um, his conviction and, uh, and, and also, uh, the people in the community there, uh, holding on to their faith just was so different from what I was used to. Uh, that kind of uh, got me going. And it, it still took a while. I was still pretty stubborn um, going through our CIA and, and questioning things. I actually had a, a point uh, before I finally made the decision to come into the church where um, I was just super frustrated. I just had very little spiritual connection to Jesus. And I, and I, and I told myself, I'm like, um, well, I can't deny that the Catholic Church is true. Like it just it, it, it just logically makes sense that if if Jesus established a church here on Earth, then this is the church. But I just wasn't believing it. And finally, when um, that dark period of uh, not being able to connect and he came into my heart, I was just overjoyed and um, yeah, um, just really brought me uh, firmly into into my faith in a way that I'm, yeah, blessed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing uh, your stories. Both of your experiences, I think, resonate for a lot of our Proclaim listeners. And what I'd love to highlight uh, for our listeners is just the fact that there were people that came into your life that witnessed and, uh, and came alongside you where you were at, whether it was in the questions that you were asking or in the ministries that you were serving, and found a way to continue to share Jesus with you, uh, whether it's through a priest that was hard-hitting and, you know, of course, I'm sure out of love, responded well to all of your questions or to some missionaries that showed up at your parish and started to encourage you uh, to live out the missionary life through some faith studies. Uh, I also know that as a young family, you're living out and wanting to live out the life of missionary discipleship. So let's start with that. You know, what does missionary discipleship mean to you? Um, I think it's just uh, being really authentic. I think that authentic witness is something that that people really crave these days. You know, I think when, um, you know, people think of Christianity, I'm sure we all have a bit of a bad taste in our mouth of, of somebody that claimed to be a Christian um, and, and maybe didn't live it um, in, in whatever way um, in their particular interactions. So I think, yeah, just really being authentic and and um not being afraid to to be jesus to other people i think is is something that this world really needs absolutely i would sum it up very simply uh just live the faith be ready to give your testimony whenever wherever um and it's not it's not easy to to do by any stretch uh i've just found in my life uh when i've been Walking with God, I choose to do that because it is our choice. It is not, uh, he, he's always wants us with him. It's, it's stupid that we don't want to do it as, <laughs> as, as much as we're invited to do, but that's us. Um, and 
especially when walking with him, it just people will be there. And I've had some amazing uh, experiences talking to people, not always ending well per se, but um, and surprising uh, if you're if you're open and you're just um, and Jesus is shaping your life and you're following Him. It, it, it's it's come too many times where I've I've been able to. Uh, share the faith just authentically because it just sort of opens itself up. Um, so that, to me, I think is just the best way to go because people people see it. See, people see when you're living the faith. Yeah, I can't remember if it was Pope Francis or, or uh, the previous Pope, Pope Benedict, who said that uh, a life that is uh, lived for Jesus should look different than a life that isn't living for mm-hmm. Jesus. And uh, that really struck me when I heard it because I had to take a hard look at my own life to think, do I look different from my neighbor who is not a Christian, uh, or do I look different from the you know the food bank down the road who's doing so much to serve the poor, and uh, and it's pretty challenging for us to to think of what it means to be an authentic witness. Megan, you were going to throw out another thought. I, I think I cut you off yeah, there. That, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I was um, just going to speak almost more to um, in the context of of marriage. You know, us being a marriage a married couple, um, I think also part of the beauty of of marriage is is leaning in on each other's strengths, and um, uh, I think that's something that we also do quite well. Nathan and I, like you know, he. I think he's. You know, just by the way he's spoken already, you can tell that he's someone who's very bold. He's very courageous. He's not afraid to speak up. I'm, I'm a little different. I'm I'm much more shy. I'm I'm much more, you know, when it comes to to evangelization, I'm someone who's maybe much more like practical and 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 um, you know helping people like take the next step in their journey. But he's the one that is really good at sort of making that initial invitation to him. You know, I'm. I'm blessed to work here for the archdiocese and it's easy because all my coworkers are, are, are people that I can talk to so easily. But, um, you know, Nathan has, has had really good conversations with, with people who are, are, you know, in his workplace that, um, you know, are people that maybe he, he wouldn't have necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily have had, um, faith-based conversations with, but, um, you know, we, he's he's been very intentional about not being afraid to to share that message with them and um you know there's been times where like there was one coworker where um you know he found out that he he was actually catholic but wasn't practicing at the time and um you know he ended up inviting him to come to mass with us and um after that we ended up having brunch with him and then you know and then I kind of jumped in on the conversations too but I think um, we work really t- well together, I think, as a married couple in that sense that, you know, he's very bold, makes that invitation, but together we, we, um, we kind of take that on as a family and, and we bring those people into, into our homes, into our lives and, and continue um, that relationship with them together. Yeah, that's such a great distinction uh, because there are a lot of Proclaim members that have reached out to me and to others and have asked the question, like, how am I supposed to evangelize when I'm shy or, you know, when I don't really know a lot of the answers that people are asking? Or, you know, there's a variety of different, um, I guess, like misconceptions of what it means to be a missionary disciple, that you have to be as bold and outward facing and clearly communicating uh, the gospel message at all times. And that certainly isn't the case. Uh, you know, my wife and I, we have such different personalities. So I'm kind of hearing a lot of the resonance that, that you're sharing. And yeah, it's, it's hard sometimes 
one where we're trying to balance family life and schedules and the requests to accommodate different parish initiatives that we all believe are really great initiatives when we look at it. Uh, but then, of course, we have so many different responsibilities and our own personalities to at play as well that can, um, yeah, give us maybe some some thoughts and and maybe some barriers to to the work of evangelization. But we all are, have been given unique gifts, and God has given those gifts for a reason, and uh, and we all have a necessary part to play in the mission. It's not always, you know, out front uh, with, you know, soapbox-style proclamation, <laughs> really, and, and that's not even what Proclaim's about. We really want to uh, evangelize through relationships and through meaningful connections and through accompaniment. Um, now, You've shared a little bit of uh, being involved in the parish life here at the Archdiocese. So you've been uh, um, involved in a variety of different ministries. And so I think that, and I'm going to make an assumption here, you know, mm-hmm. you, you've heard some of the different conversations around, uh, you know, when a new program or something new comes up, and it's easy to kind of talk about either numbers or, you know, the quality of the video or the, you know, the the attractiveness of the program. Ultimately, we know that the, you know, the real result, the fruitfulness of a successful program is, does it change lives? Does it, does it really impact a person's heart to encounter God, to move towards God, to grow in relationships? So uh, this is an open-ended question. Like, where have you seen God move in your lives and in the lives of others through the different interactions, involvements that you had, you've had, you know, personally in the parish or uh, at the Archdiocesan level? You go ahead. <laughs> I would say it's personal accompaniment on, that seems to me the best formula. Uh, I think we got a lot of great programs, uh, Faith Studies, uh, Alpha, but, and I don't mean this to sound as a critique, you have to advertise these programs and you really need to make them a focus. I, I know our pastor, Father Justin, is uh, very intentional about, uh, you know, especially when Faith Studies first started, the reason we took it was at the time I was kind of having a, a, a sort of a, a a back away approach from, from the church, just kind of just going to Sunday Masses. And uh, he was very strong. I, I, I respond to strong priests if you haven't catch that yet <laughs> uh, at uh, challenging me and say, no, you need to sign up for faith studies right now. See, there's there's the impactors. You can go see them at, at this very second. And that's not good for everybody. Um, I, I happen to be one of those weird people that like, oh, okay, well, I'll show you then. And <laughs> and and uh, kind of sign up in spite of uh, of, of the aggressiveness. But uh, we've seen in our own lives uh, where we see lives changed. We've seen uh, people grow. It's uh, it's having that personal relationship and using the programs because they are tools and helping them to figure out which tool works for them. All right, is it time for alpha? Is it time for faces? I'll give an example. Uh, a very a, a man has become a very good friend of mine uh, who converted to Catholicism uh, what two two years ago. Um, he 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 was he's a very very smart uh, person. He actually knew more about the Catholic faith before he started going to church than I did. He just loves history and and just dives into that kind of stuff. And uh, but he we recognized very early that he he's he he's a very introverted person he's one of those 
uh, very smart and he could put people off because he's, you know, he's kind of like, why aren't you there with me yet? Kind of thing. So uh, he, I, I felt, and I recommended to him that he would go to alpha as opposed to the faith studies because uh, father Justin requires for uh, people to become Catholic, that they attend um, two of three programs, uh, alpha faith studies or, and, and Symbolon. Um, and we thought Alpha would be better for him because it's it's more communal, it's less heady, and it would challenge him to uh, understand that relationship with Jesus Christ, which was not foreign to him in concept, but living it. And, uh, he, I mean, he still struggles to this day having that right. personal relationship with Jesus. He loves the church, he loves... Uh, the rules and the structure and the society, but he's, uh, yeah, it, just on that on that personal level, he doesn't. So it, it's it's kind of identifying where things are with people and and working it out and and being there. Which I know we can't do it for everybody, but uh, that seems to be the recipe that's we've seen growth in that area for personal accompaniment. Yeah, and it started because you knew his story mm-hmm. and you spent time understanding where his heart was and and what might be you know areas of growth and so your invitation wasn't just sort of a marketing strategy or some sort of promotion you really thought about what would be best for him and you know what would be a meaningful invitation to extend to him and um and of course now you're you're continuing to accompany him in the life of discipleship that's really cool thanks for that story yeah and uh, one person that comes to mind for me um in our parish is um somebody that I met uh through our faith studies as well. So we had actually met because we ended up in the same discovery group with with the impact team and uh just how things evolved we actually after impact left um you know we needed some sort of continuation in the parish so we actually ended up being part of that um, our parish's first uh, core team, core leadership team for the faith studies. So then I ended up leading faith studies beyond that. So so this girl that I met because we started off together, um, I ended up leading her down the road. And um, she was somebody who had grown up Catholic and had fallen away from from the church. But I think she, I think it was Easter when she felt called to to come back. Uh, she just came back to church, I think, with her mom. And there was something in her that that really sort of encouraged her to to keep to keep coming and uh, so when the faith studies came she she decided to take it and um so our relationship kind of started off you know we were participants together and then i became her her faith studies leader um but she also got to know nathan as well because you know we're the types of people that when when you're putting the chairs and tables away we're kind of in the corner just chatting with whoever's (laughs) whoever's around um so we actually ended up uh, growing a bit more in friendship together outside of that context and um she was somebody you could tell absolutely absolutely was just seeking truth she always had questions about something and after she got an answer to that question there was another question and um you could just yeah you could just tell how much she was um like she was not asking questions to be obnoxious or anything. There was just something in her heart that just um, she wanted to know the truth. Um, she wanted to seek that truth. So, um, you know, we we realized that, you know, while, while people are cleaning up for face studies, there was only so much conversation we could have. So, um, you know, we I think we had booked a, a time after mass to go out for brunch together and we were there for gosh, I'm pretty sure it was ours. <laughs> wow. Okay. And I, there was a point where we were the only people in the restaurant, but um, 
yeah, I mean, her, her journey continued in relationship with people beyond me. But I, I, I remember just um, also me learning so much from her and just seeing, again, how, how much she was striving for truth. And um, I remember her also showing, you know, when, when we were doing the face studies, we're, we were giving out those little prayer books by the Companions of the Cross. And I remember her showing me hers. And it was just like worn. And she'd only had it for like a month, two months maybe at the time. Um, so just really seeing how much she was um, trying to grow in her faith and relationship with Jesus was just something that was beautiful to witness too as somebody that was supposedly far ahead from her. But um, yeah, she was, wow, she was a great witness to me as that's well. That's so cool. And uh, for our listeners, if you're wondering about that prayer book, I think it's called Treasure in Heaven. Is yes, that the, the little, little prayer book? Yeah. yeah. So I'll put a little link in the show notes for our listeners to uh, make reference to it. I think it's a wonderful book on teaching people uh, the art of praying and, um, and having relationship with Jesus through prayer. So far, you've shared a couple stories, and I'm hearing a co- like one commonality in those stories, and it's brunch. <laughs> and I would, I'm thinking, man, I would love to come to your parish as a seeker because <laughs> and meet Megan and Nathan because I might get a brunch out of this and <laughs> well, uh, and hopefully get some nice conversations and, and answers. Yeah, actually, when we were you know when we were um, still engaged and just kind of talking out what our life was going to look like once we were married. That was something that was actually like really on our hearts was to have um, a home where people were always going to feel welcome. And brunch is just the one thing that we always feel called to. That's the easy meal. I think dinner is a little intimidating, (laughs) but, and, but brunch is, is like a good substantial meal that you, that you can have together. And um, yeah, that was just something that we, that we wanted to do. Um, Of course, right now, We've kind of had to put that on right. hold, um, and and you know with a with a toddler that was something that um, you know we also weren't doing as frequently as we can. But I think in this time that we haven't been able to do it, it's something that we realize we're going to make this a priority once yeah once uh, we're able to safely yeah and. Uh, we've had a couple of conversations on the podcast around creating a culture of invitation, creating uh, hospitality within mm-hmm. our parish communities. And these are the kinds of things that I think need to start from the grassroots, from from each individual, because a lot of people would come into new parishes and uh, and almost get lost at the front door. You know, who's who's who and, uh, and, uh, and who's welcoming us? And, and not only are we... Um, are, you know, are, are we wondering like who's part of the welcoming? Uh, but you've you've kind of taken it to the next level, and you said, you know, we want to welcome you here, but we also want to hear some of you know your your questions and what's going on in your heart, what's what's really stirring within you, and and what's what's you know kind of challenging your your thoughts around relationship with God. And you, you know, in 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 hearing your stories, you've just said, let's talk and let's just see where the Holy Spirit's going to take. And those conversations are are necessary in order to create that culture of invitation. Uh, but I want to stick to the conversation around, uh, you know, what it means to be a missionary family. Because clearly, so far with your uh, with your examples, even before getting into the conversation, it's it's clear that you're living that out. You're living out the desire to be uh, missionary disciples in your home. And in one of our other co- uh, podcast episodes, we talked about the necessity of the home to be a missionary outpost, not only to each other and to our family members, but to allow for that outpost to reach out to the rest of the world, to our, our communities. And so thank you for uh, being a witness to being a family that's wanting to live out the missionary outpost. So I'd love to take it in another direction around uh, families, missionary outpost 
proclaim and all that. And I think maybe where this this next part of the conversation go, we'll um, maybe launch uh, we'll launch it off with a little quote, and it's a quote from Saint John Paul II on the kerygma. And he offers this definition of the kerygma from Catechese Tredende, paragraph twenty five. And this is where he says that the kerygma is the initial ardent proclamation by which a person is one day overwhelmed and brought to the decision to entrust himself to Jesus Christ by faith. So let's open the conversation. What stands out to you uh, in that quote? And uh, and how do you see the kerygma being proclaimed in the ministries that you're a part of? Um, I like the words overwhelmed and brought to a decision to entrust himself to Jesus Christ. It's that is the optimal reaction that you want somebody to have once they have the charisma in full unobstructed um which is very tough in today's culture and I would say um in our parishes as well. I think we uh we we said we have a lot of work to do to have faithful Catholics uh, having that uh, culture of invitation because, yeah, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things when you, when you can bring people into your home and, and share more. Uh, one of the things about brunch I was thinking about as you were yeah. describing like your, your desire, like, oh yeah, I definitely want to be part of these <laughs> these people heading out for brunch. Brunches, brunches, just uh, it it's a meal that disarms you, uh, and and we don't do it. We're not like intentionally plotting this out to disarm people so they tell us their secrets and so we can bring them into our the cult. secret weapon <laughs> is brunch. Yeah, no, it's just it just so happens that we like doing brunch over dinner. It's just that's just what we like to do. And but one of the things that it does is uh, just the timing of it and and the meal itself. It it, it brings people in in a mode to be able to to share and to uh, receive. Uh, fully the kerygma, maybe not catechetically perfectly. Um, it talked about the insights of the theology of the Gospels or something like that, but living it out in practical ways and getting answers to the things that they have on their heart uh, through just plain language and examples uh, of today. Yeah, I, th- I think what I'm kind of thinking about is that. Um... Each of us are also called to to make that decision and and to entrust ourselves to Jesus. It's, um, you know, we we were talking about the the podcast that you did recently with Deacon Raff and with Father Richard, and um, you know their their stories, their testimonies, and and how they've arrived at their vocations. Those are beautiful things, but um, we're not all called to be priests. We're not all called to be religious, and even in um you know, our, in, in the vocation to marriage, you're also, in, you're also called to entrust yourself to Jesus. You're, in called, you're, you're called to live out um, your vocation in a different way from, from priests and religious, but it is still a vocation. And we are called to, to love Jesus. We are called to serve him in, in our particular context as, as a married couple, as a family. And I think, um, you know, yeah, when you hear the testimonies of, of priests and religious, it's it almost sometimes can kind of feel like, oh, that's for them. That's not for me. I'm just 
whoever I am, I'm, I'm not, I'm not called to that life, but we are called um, to our, to our own vocation. And it won't look like the life of a priest or the life of a religious, but um, we are still called again to, to live out our vocation. And um, I think also just the witness of, of a husband and a wife that love Jesus and are on mission together is something that's, that's very beautiful. And I think um, in a way that witness is also more attainable, I guess, especially if you're called to marriage yourself to know that, oh, because I wasn't called to be a priest, that doesn't mean that um, I can't live a good and holy life and, and be Jesus to other people. We are called to do that in, in our own context. Mm-hmm. I'm actually very uh, firmed and I uh, think it's great that the Vatican is uh, t- making a focus to try and uh, canonize uh, saintly married people um, because we've found uh, with uh, our marriage and having one child at least, uh, th- there's it's a totally different world than when you're single and you have an idea of like you're on fire to... Um, to share the faith, like when I was teaching the faith studies, I would have um, fathers in the group and they'd be making excuses about, oh, you know, I'm busy with kids and stuff like that. And I'm just like, you're not interested. You know, I, I was my judgment and I was, right. and I'm wrong because now as a father um, <laughs> and we only have one child, just there's so much of your time is taken and it's a, it's a totally different outlook. And uh, we have seen in in the short amount of time that we've uh kind of made it more formal our 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 mission to uh serve as a as as a family uh we we we've we've been able to connect with people uh and in in the same situation as us in ways that I just don't think is possible that you can as a I'm I'm not saying it 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 isn't possible I certainly hope it is so you know the more the more evangelizers the merrier but uh you know there's just there's a certain commonality there uh that if uh if 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 you as a as a married couple can uh witness as a family there's uh, so much opportunity to connect with others who through really no fault of their own just might be uh, far from the faith because life is busy and they just didn't have a strong relationship with Christ before their life got busy with uh, marriage and kids. There's definitely an extra level of empathy there mm-hmm. with dads accompanying dads, moms accompanying moms, husbands, wives, because we're all living that like behind the, you know, the inside our homes lived experience of what it's like to navigate schedules, mealtimes, bedtimes, kids activities, all of those things. So uh, having that extra level of empathy can uh, can be encouraging, right? When we can go to a face study or to a group and and share about our day or our week, uh, and and it doesn't always have to be about spiritual things. It can be about normal sort of day to day things. But then missionary disciples will find a way to incorporate the kerygma into that, and not you know not because like that's all we want to think about, uh, but because it really does 
uh, offer wisdom and answers to a lot of our our, our hurts or our challenges in our, our day-to-day life. Just as you guys were talking, I, I was rereading that quote that I had shared uh, from the Krigma, and I hadn't thought of it this way, but I think that the Krigma can, this definition can really be played out in the life of young families, where as parents, we are um, ardently wanting to share and to proclaim the gospel into our, into our children with the hope and expectation that one day they would be overwhelmed by the gospel and make a personal decision for Jesus Christ. And of course, as we see our kids grow and mature in their ability to make decisions, you know, our, our ultimate hope would be that they could make that you know, big decision to say, I'm going to live for Jesus. And so I think the charisma is so important in the life of, of families. And as you've said, as, as, as husband and wife, to be able to live in that mission, not only is uh, to the benefit of the community that you get to serve, but for yourselves as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's go into a little bit of, um, again, like the sort of the, uh, the idea of as a, as a couple and a young family, um, how else would you love to... Um, to live out the mission to proclaim Jesus? Uh, well, I think one area that we've really realized um, kind of needs some attention, and, and and part of that is because of my, my, my work here now in the Archdiocese working in marriage and family ministry, um, we're realizing that um, couples who are preparing to get married in the church, you know, a lot of them are not practicing their faith. Um, they're coming to get married in the church because either it sounds like a nice idea or it's something that their parents want, their grandparents want, or or just something that's even like nostalgic to them. You know, this is the parish where I grew up. That's where I want to get married. Um, But, you know, this is also a prime opportunity to have conversations with those couples and um, just sort of the nature of of the way that um, marriage prep works here in the archdiocese. Most parishes um, don't necessarily, I I mean, obviously the priest, you know, meets with, with these couples, but often because they're not coming to mass, they don't really have any interaction with the parish community. I remember when we were getting married and it was, um, you know, we got married in that kind of first year that we started coming to um, St. Anthony of Padua. So we already felt very much a part of that community. And that was just something, uh, you know, talk about the world word overwhelmed. I remember feeling particularly overwhelmed on the day of our wedding at seeing how many of uh, many members of our parish were at our at our at our wedding mass. And um, I, <laughs> we took a group photo with them after. And when I saw everyone standing behind me and even just like throughout the liturgy, just hearing all the, the voices that were oh, literally so cool. carrying us forward. Um, I, I remember being quite moved. Um, and just to think that there are couples that are getting married in our church that, that don't have that, that don't have any community there. Um, yeah, that, that's, I think, something that I would like to see grow. Your parish really has become your extended family. Yeah. Yes, they yes. know they know you yeah, we, by we, name, and yeah, we really, really miss our parish right now <laughs> in COVID. It's uh, it is uh, is it, it really uh, yeah, it's it's it feels ripped away almost. But uh, yeah, they they really are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When you're talking about marriage prep and marriage ministry and, and the ministry that you're a part of, there aren't too many places in our parish communities where. Uh, non-disciples, those who have or are not living a Christ-centered life, just show up at our door. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, they're looking for something, right? Like it could just be more transactional than anything else, right? I'm looking to get married in your church or or whatever. They're, like you said, there could be some sort of familial connection mm-hmm. or nostalgia or something else that's drawing them there. 
but they're there. They've showed up at our at our doorsteps. Yeah, somebody so, in our office you, has used the phrase, you know, talk about going to the peripheries. The peripheries are coming to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So could you share with us a few of uh, the initiatives that Marriage and Family has right now that's starting to help with some of the accompaniment of these young couples, inviting them into relationship and community, introducing them to other faithful couples? Because I think there's a handful of things that's going on right now. So... Yeah, so yeah. one of the things that some of our parishes right now are are starting to implement is is a marriage mentorship program. So it's exactly that. It's um, bringing those couples who are coming to to get married in the church, intentionally connecting them with other couples in the parish and um, encouraging them to grow there in community. Um, and, and hopefully by building that relationship with them um, and, and providing them that support um, in their initial stages of marriage um, will will at least create enough um, curiosity in them to to continue to to come and be a part of of um, of the parish community and to you know start coming to mass more regularly um, but yeah starting with that relationship with them because yeah as I said right now you know some couples might come to get married in the church they'll talk to the priest and they'll do all the all the formalities um, but they may not have a conversation with anybody else otherwise so so just to start those conversations with them and and you know congratulate them on getting married and and um get to know them and and one thing that would be really nice too is uh you know encourage obviously difficult right now but um you know maybe pick a mass on a weekend where where you can invite all of the couples that are getting married that year to come and and receive a blessing and maybe you could have you know coffee or whatever afterwards or or just have a way of of acknowledging them and for the parish community to to meet them and for them to meet the parish community and know that these people are there to support them, to pray for them. Um, yeah, so that's 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 one thing that that our office is working on right now. Um, and another thing too is um, the marriage course, and that's not necessarily specifically for for couples that are getting married, but for couples at any level. Um, so that's something that is, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a marriage enrichment program that was produced by Alpha. So it has a very similar feel. Again, under regular circumstances, you know, you can come together for a meal and then you watch the video and then you have a private discussion with, with your spouse. Um, but also we've just seen, since we can't do it the way that it was intended, we, we were still finding ways to do it online and actually seeing the fruits of that um, have have been really beautiful. Um, we we had over I think 130 couples register the first time that we ran it um, as an archdiocese, and um, I think yeah, even after kind of running it more formally, some of the people that that we had invited, who again are those young families with with kids with with bedtime schedules. Um, we realized that maybe the timing wasn't working the greatest for them because we were trying to accommodate, you know, a large group of people. So we were trying to pick the best time, but maybe it wasn't the best time for young families. So we actually felt called to to rent it for a group of friends. Um, so we ended up doing it for uh, 10 other couples. Yeah, yeah it, it worked out really well. And uh, those uh, couples that we ran it for, uh, we were looking to continue um, meeting with them um, as kind of a, we're, we're, we don't really know what it's going to look like yet, but some sort of uh, gathering where we can take uh, a night once a month to 
you know, dive into our faith and relating that into marriage because, you know, and a lot of the people in the group weren't, uh, you know, I think just about everybody was going to mass every Sunday at the minimum and not against the faith in any way. But we, as uh, in families, as I said before, we get so busy with, with life that even if you're trying to live as a good Catholic, that you get you, you just you fall away from it and having intentional time to get together in the same in the same in the same with people who are living the same similar life to you is just really good to build each other up and 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 go from there um i i could speak for myself i'm sure megan would agree um our marriage has been wonderful. Um, we believe it. Uh, I mean, you, you hear about it as a sacrament, and you're kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah I, I know Jesus, God likes marriage and all that kind of stuff. But you really don't, you really don't, or at least for me, I didn't really get it until um, when we got married. And as Megan said, it was so encouraging to hear all of our all of our parish family singing behind us because Megan and I, uh, we have a lot of our friends are either not practicing Catholics or, um, uh, people, well, pretty much 95% of my friends don't practice any faith really. And so those voices weren't from my family or my friends. It was just, it was, it was so encouraging to, to, to hear that. And, uh, I think that just be so great if others who are coming to the church that don't fully understand how wonderful it is to have a relationship with Jesus and a relationship through your parish uh, can 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 feel that and know that uh, just be it would be great to great to be able to reveal that to them yeah yeah as a as a young dad myself I, I can appreciate when others come along extend invitations do some work to kind of set up these times where I know I can show up and get something good out of it like for my relationship uh, in marriage family God like like you said the family life can get so busy that you find it that it really you know either you control it or it controls you and when you have friends that are willing to extend an invitation you know set some things up it's it's like it it could be an answer to some of those like late night questions that you kind of lie you know lie awake and just wonder like oh, I wonder how I could be a better dad or I wonder how I could be a better husband or you know I I'd love to know a little bit more about God and and my relationship with him or or grow in that and uh, I'm just so um, blessed by this conversation and hearing some of your stories. You guys just rolled off this sort of like idea of marriage course, like, you know, oh, we're doing this marriage course, I'm going to be part of it, but it's not in a you know good time. So we just started our own and, you know, invited <laughs> 10 couples and you know, accompanied people. That's amazing. And you're a young family with a, you know, growing children. And it's just like, this is not an easy thing to do. And I just want to affirm you and just, you know, let you know how blessed I am to hear of your witness. I mean, I took the marriage course with uh, with my wife, Vanessa, and we thought this is really great. We should do something about it. And we haven't done anything about it. So <laughs> please, like, accept my my uh, my affirmation and um, and my encouragement. And I, and I know that our listeners are also being encouraged by all of what you're doing. So for those of you who are listening and are curious about the marriage course, uh, 
uh, Megan's given a little bit of a, a descriptive to it, but it could be a, a great way as a follow-up to alpha, or it could even be a pre-alpha kind of uh, situation. Again, it, it, it really starts with the people that you know and, and where they're at. And I think Megan and Nathan are living out an intentional accompaniment, the art of accompaniment that our Holy Father Pope Francis has invited us to in spades. Their missionary discipleship is really marked by this desire to accompany people in where they're at and is motivated by love, motivated by the love that they've encountered uh, through encountering Jesus Christ. So um, you have given us so much encouragement uh, through your witness and through your stories, um, but I want to give you the last word. And so my, my open-ended question here would be, what encouragement would you like to share with our Proclaim community? Um, yeah, so, you know, like as Nathan was saying, uh, you know, maybe when we were single, we didn't really appreciate just how challenging it is to to be parents, to have a young family and, and you know, scheduling and, and all of that. Um, and I know we had to take a step back from from serving in formal parish ministry at the time, but there is still a way to to serve God and to serve your parish, even if you can't, you know, commit to, to doing the six weeks of of discovery or, or going to every single alpha. Um, so to find a way that you can you can live out that call in a way that works for you. And I know one thing that we are also not afraid to do is to again to to bring our family life into it. Like, you know, like you said, Eric, Olivia is right here with us. Like she's 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 our third <laughs> she com- she comes with us whenever whenever we serve so we find ways that again works for our family but um not to feel that you can't if if you can't serve in formal parish ministry there is there's a way that you can um that you can be evangelizers be on mission um in in whatever way works for you and your family and you just have to discern that but um that's something that that we um we have had to come to learn as well, but we definitely feel feel called to called to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I would say as a, a final word or encouragement is, uh, and again, this is probably post pandemic, but to really work hard personally as a as a Catholic to take ownership in your parish about. Uh, about being hospitable and and uh, and and getting to know people, especially uh, new people that are coming in, because uh, again, uh, the archdiocese does a great job with marriage prep. It's it's a fantastic course. I've anecdotally, um, through talking to friends that have gone through it who aren't necessarily going to church now, they they all have great things to say about it, but. It's only like a small little nudge to say, "Hey, the church ain't so bad," and um, this is this is some great tips on how to live a good married life. But the the real the real hook, the real um, revelation that they're going to to have, and why we why we do this crazy Catholic thing is 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 the parish community. It's 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 them. It's the community looking to be disciples and and uh and be with them so and specifically in family yeah just be be the family live your family i mean my identity as a husband and a dad is just so wonderful i i i now understand what vocation actually means uh it's my faith life personally has never been this great i've um 
not gone very long without feeling the conviction of my faith, uh, the love of God. Um, it, at, at any point previously, um, as a single person, and it just it builds you up, and it's uh, I can see why the devil hates it so much because uh, <laughs> you know if, right now in society we got uh, we got a crisis in marriage and family. It's breaking down on all sorts of different sides, and um, and I can see him being very happy with that. And but if uh, if that turns around, that is. Um, that 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 is that is going to be a powerful force, and uh, that's part of the reason why we've made this active decision to uh, minister in in marriage and family. Because you know, to quote uh, John Paul II, uh, you know, as goes the family, so goes the whole world. And you know, if we can, if we could do just a small part in helping families to uh, live out. Uh, what is beautiful, what is good, uh, faithfully, uh, that is good, do so much. And, um, you know, to quote another uh, great Catholic, Chesterton, uh, you, you, you memorize it better yeah, than I, me. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to jump in with that quote too. So it, it, we actually just have this quote on our wall at home now. There is nothing more extraordinary than an ordinary man and an ordinary woman and their ordinary children. And I think, yeah, just to, the witness of a joyful faith-filled family speaks so much and and i think that's again like that's that's you don't have to be in formal parish ministry to live that out to to be that witness to the world so um yeah that's that's my encouragement (laughs) what a great quote to end on and uh i just got some goosebumps when you're sharing that uh this was a mic drop podcast episode (laughs) in my opinion you guys just just you know really are a witness to missionary discipleship, a witness to uh, marriage and family, and the way in which uh, all Christians, all Catholics, are invited to live it out with Jesus at the center. So, to our procl- uh, on behalf of our, our Proclaim community, I just want to thank you for taking the time to share your story and to share some of the insights and your witness of living out the mission in in the way that you are. Hopefully, past the pandemic, I'd love to sit down and have brunch with your family, and we can ha- continue this conversation. Uh, for all of our listeners. If you're wondering about next steps, feel free to jump to weareproclaim.com or Behold Vancouver to see all of what's going on in the Archdiocese with Proclaim, with Marriage and Family, with different parishes. And as you continue to live out this pandemic, do not lose hope because we know that Jesus is our living hope. He is the one who uh, gives us life and is the light of the world. And so wherever God is calling you into mission, uh, just know that we are with you. We are praying for you with you and for the people that you want to reach out to and so continue to inspire disciples to share jesus with others and i hope that you were inspired by our conversation so thank you again and we'll see you in the next episode